Good morning, I hope this finds you really well, whether the sun is shining outside as it is here or whether it's pouring with rain by the time you watch this. Either way, I hope this finds you really, really well. It's been great to continue through our series in Philippians, hasn't it, over the last few weeks and I hope you've enjoyed hearing from some new people. I certainly have really enjoyed uh, hearing the preachers of some of the other guys from the church who've been contributing. Just want to encourage you, if you've been blessed by them, which I'm sure you have been, why don't you just drop them a text to thank them and to encourage them for what they've brought. Well, today we are in Philippians chapter 4, and it is a fantastic passage. There's lots in here, uh, too much really for me to cover in one go. And so I just felt as I was preparing this that God really drew me to one key thing that we're going to talk about. So there's one very simple key subject for today, and that is very simply that today is all going to be about rejoicing in the Lord. Okay, chapter four, verse four says, very familiar verse, it says, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Now, in case you're concerned that I'm not covering some of the other amazing uh, words in this passage, just want to encourage you that uh, just over a year ago, on the 26th of January 2020, when we were still meeting at Lordswood Girls School, uh, I preached on this chapter, particularly covering the later verses that talk about anxiety and casting our cares onto God. Really encourage you to go back to that. It's on the website. Have a listen. Remind yourself of what a real life in the flesh preach used to feel like and hit and sound like. You might hear people coughing in the background and that sort of thing. But just encourage you to go back to that. It's still highly relevant. Um, but today, just really feel that I want to focus in on the subject of rejoicing. So Paul says to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. It's not even the first time he said this to them. He said it on a number of occasions throughout the letter. And here he says it again and obviously emphasises it. It's like he's saying, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. It is the thing to do. You might even say that it's the central message of the letter. If there was one thing that Paul wanted to get across to this church, it was that he wants them to learn to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord. And there's a few things just very simply to pick up as we start on what that means. Well, rejoicing in something, you can look it up in the dictionary, it just means to take joy, to take delight in something. Okay, it's very simple. And obviously he's talking about here rejoicing in the Lord. It's not just being joyful, having a happy countenance. In fact, it's, it's very, very different to happiness. Happiness is simply an emotion and it's something that is entirely related to your circumstances. Joy in the Lord is something that is entirely related to the subject, as in the Lord. When we rejoice in the Lord, we rejoice in him. We're not rejoicing in whether it's a sunny day or whether it's uh, raining. We're rejoicing in the Lord. We're, we're delighting ourselves in the Lord. Okay, so that's the first thing. Very simple, but very important to say at the outset. Then he says, always. Very important word. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of what's happening, regardless of anything that's going on in your life, you can always rejoice in the Lord. And in fact, he says, he says, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, he's getting it across in no uncertain terms. Whatever the weather, whatever's going on in life, 
whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can rejoice in the Lord every minute of every single day. That is what the Bible teaches about this subject, folks, and that is what I want us to get hold of this morning. Now, the first thing to say about rejoicing, hopefully some of this is going to be very practical and you can, you can pick up on it. The first thing I want to say about rejoicing is that it is something that we need the Holy Spirit's help with. Okay, We cannot rejoice in the Lord. We cannot do this command without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God that he gives us as we become believers in Jesus, as we die to ourselves, as we go down in the waters of baptism and we die with Jesus. Okay, Jesus, who died on the cross. We know that he died in Jerusalem over 2000 years ago. We die with him to ourselves, to our sin. And then like him, we rise again from the dead. We come back to life. We come out of the waters and there's new life. But that new life isn't just, okay, we've got a second chance. Let's do our best. Let's muster what we can. Give it our best shot. Uh-uh. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to give you the counsellor, the comforter. Another gift from my father, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and lives within us. The Holy Spirit is the reason why there is Christianity today, 2000 years later. The Holy Spirit is the reason why there are people becoming Christians all across the world. The Holy Spirit is the reason why miracles still happen. Okay, the Holy Spirit is the power and presence of the living God in the earth. He is everywhere, but he chooses to come and dwell in the hearts of those people that believe in Jesus. We become, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. That is wonderful. And because of this, we can rejoice. So when we rejoice, it is a supernatural thing. Never thought of that? When we rejoice, it is something that the Holy Spirit helps us to do. And there's a couple of aspects to rejoicing. There's, there's like an active aspect, and then there's like an aspect that happens as a result of our action. So what I mean is we, we need to learn to rejoice, okay, as Paul's saying here, we need to learn as a lifestyle how to do that in every moment and every circumstance. And what happens as we do that is that over time, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is born in our life, the fruit of joy. Because Paul says in Galatians 5, he says, walk in the Spirit. And then he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., so as we learn to walk in the Holy Spirit every day, as we learn to rejoice, then the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy will be built in our life. And I just want to emphasise again that joy is something distinct. It is something that is a distinct thing of the Holy Spirit. It's not like the joy that you, I mean, it's misused in the world. It's not like the feeling that you get when something good happens, when you get your exam results and you've passed or when you pass your driving test or or when you when your sports team does well that's not joy okay that might be elation that might be a sense of happiness or something nice that's happened but real joy is a gift of the holy spirit and a fruit of the holy spirit and it's something that only comes in jesus it's something that only comes in god it's supernatural and it's something that we can learn to do we need to be aware of this because the world especially at the moment when there's bad stuff going on there's lots of strategies that the world gives there's lots of wisdom that the world puts forward okay 
and often it's psychological solutions to spiritual problems. Yeah, often it's strategies for making yourself happy for the time being. You know, if life is so hard and rubbish and our mental health is so low, the world gives us strategies to help us lift our mood. Now, look, I'm not knocking those things. Those things can be useful. But, mate, they are not a patch on the joy of the Lord. Trust me. I tell you, if you really want your mental health and your mood to lift, learn to rejoice in the Lord. That gives you so much more than anything, any strategy that the world can offer. And the thing about rejoicing is that sometimes guilt can stop us. Sometimes we feel like, how can I rejoice in the Lord? Because I've messed up. I'm rubbish. I've made so many mistakes. I'm a rubbish Christian. My faith is so weak. How can I rejoice in the Lord? How can he accept me? But you know what? The way God has set things up to be is that he is the God who is beautifully long-suffering with us. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. And he is so ready to forgive you. He is so ready to wash away your sins once again. And of course, this is what he has done. By his death on the cross and his resurrection, he has made the way for that. So when we feel guilty, when we've messed up, what happens is the Holy Spirit, he comes and leads us back to the cross. He convicts us of our sin. And he reminds us at Calvary of the blood that has washed us. And so again, we can rejoice. We realise that God's love is even greater than we thought it was. He's forgiven us again and we make a fresh discovery and so we can rejoice in him again. So don't let guilt stop you because God's arms are always open. His way is always open. He always wants to receive us back even when we've messed up. Rejoicing is so important and I really want us as a church to learn how to do this. I don't know if you can remember but if I cast my mind back to um, the birth of this church uh, back in January last year. I remember there was lots of prayers, lots of prophetic words that God gave to us. And one of the big themes that kept coming through was the theme about joy. I don't know if you remember. Lots of things about the joy of the Lord being our strength. And it's just wonderful that God was preparing us for a time when we were going to go into a time of real trial and difficulty. And he wanted us to have joy as a firm foundation. And I feel like my role today is just to trumpet that again. And remind us again that this is really important for us. God wants us to be a church that is filled with the joy of the Lord. He wants us to be people that are filled with the joy of the Lord. Christian life was never meant to be dull, was never meant to be mundane, was never meant to be a, a matter of glumness. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there are challenges and we'll talk about some of them in a minute. But we can know the joy of the Lord always as we learn to rejoice. Martin Lloyd-Jones says about this subject, it's no less a sin not to rejoice than not to repent. <laughs> this is so foundational for the Christian. This is so central. Hopefully I've made that clear now. Now what I just want to go on to talk about um, is is actually two things that might seem a bit unusual when we're talking about rejoicing. One is houses of mourning and the other is persecution. Seems strange? Bear with me. I feel like God's got stuff to talk to us about this. Now what I want to say first of all is to really understand rejoicing and to go deeper into it. I think 
we need to understand mourning. We need to understand what it means to mourn and to be under immense suffering. You remember Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Rejoice and be glad because yours is the kingdom of God. I've learned a lot about this recently. I just want to quickly say a bit about our circumstances. Many of you watching will know our circumstances and you're with us and you're supporting us in beautiful ways and you're praying for us as our son is ill uh, in and out of hospital having treatment for cancer. And firstly, I just want to say that for Anna and I, it feels like what we've learned and what we've been reminded of and encouraged by God with is this thing about the fruit of joy. You see, I think this is something that God has taught us as a couple uh, many years ago, early in our Christian life. He's taught us how to rejoice. And I think what we see now as we're going through a difficult time personally is actually the fruit of that joy is there. You know, it's there in our lives and we praise God every day for that. He's taught us how to rejoice. And so even in really hard circumstances, uh, even in some tough stuff that we're, we're in at the moment we can still rejoice and that's really great and you know in a sense we've done some mourning recently uh, and we are living with this tension where we don't know what's going to happen we don't know the, the outcome and we don't know the long-term future um, and you know we've been in a house of mourning I think it's fair to say as well as a house of joy and rejoicing but God has taught me that that is a good thing. And I want to say to you, if your house has felt like a house of mourning over the past few months, be encouraged. Because God's got some things that he wants to remind you of right now. In Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2 to 4, the teacher writes this. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. It's better to go to a funeral than to a party. Now, you may think of Ecclesiastes. You know what? I've read that a few times. That guy is a bit depressive. <laughs> this is God's wisdom. This is God's word. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting. Why? Well, as we read on, he says, For death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It's only in a house of mourning that you really come close to our mortality. You are brought face to face with the reality of how short life is. And that gives you a fresh perspective on it. You see, so much of our modern society, before this pandemic hit, you know, we just thought we were indestructible, didn't we? We lived our lives as if we ruled. And I think this has humbled us and reminded us that that's not the case. We are mortal beings and there's no guarantee to life. And that is the Bible's perspective. And it says you go into a house of mourning that you realise that. And I know some of us, have lived with very serious and are living with very serious health problems, the threat of, of, of COVID, 
needing to shield maybe another health problem that's threatened our life or the life of someone around us. Or maybe it's just the overall pressure and horribleness of this pandemic. Maybe it's loneliness for you, that you're, you're stuck at your home and you just feel like you've had moments where you've cried out to God and you've gone crazy and you've thought, I can't take much more of this. If your house has been a house of mourning, then rejoice because he says, I'm close to the brokenhearted. And he says, blessed are those who mourn. And I want to say that if you can learn to rejoice in mourning, then you've learned a really important lesson. And that will serve you, that fruit of the spirit, I believe, of joy, is even more uh, well cultivated when you learn the lesson in a context of mourning. When you can rejoice in the God when everything else is going bad, then you will learn how to rejoice and you will learn something very important. And of course, that's what the Philippian church was in. They were in a context of suffering. And so Paul was saying to them, learn to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of suffering. It's so important. It's something that you can do. And for Christians, there is joy in suffering. And we don't really understand the grounds of this joy when we go into a house of pleasure. If we just spend our life in a house of pleasure, or if we maybe try and just go for pleasure to like, uh, you know, numb the pain, but we discover in the house of mourning that there can be real joy, joy in the Lord. Suffering reminds us of, a mort of our mortality, it helps us make the most of life rather than taking it for granted or rather than frittering it away. So guys, let's make sure our joy is based on the Lord regardless of our circumstance. And if you're in a house of mourning, if you're in a context of suffering, then you can learn that even more. Let's not put our joy, our hope, in the end of lockdown. Rather, let's take the most of the opportunity, if you like, that we've still got left. While we're still in lockdown, let's make the most of the opportunity that that affords us to rejoice in the Lord. And then when we come out of lockdown, we'll still be rejoicing in the Lord. We won't be rejoicing in the change of circumstances. hope that makes sense. Remember Job, just really quickly want to refer to him. He asked God why. Why am I suffering? And God never answered his why question, but God came to him with fresh revelation of himself. And it was that was the thing that he really needed. And suffering is an opportunity for us to get a deeper revelation of God, for us to get to know God better, to see his beautiful face, to know that he is our strength, our rock, our comforter, our deliverer, to know that in a fresh new way. Guys, why don't you take the opportunity of your circumstances at the moment, hard though they might be, to cling on to God and to learn more about him. Just really quickly as we finish, I'm going over time, but I hope this is okay. Persecution. You remember that the Philippian church was born in a context of persecution. It was born with Paul and Silas chained to a dungeon at midnight, singing and rejoicing in the Lord. Isn't that an amazing context to learn about rejoicing? And the New Testament's perspective on suffering, if you look at any of the verses in the New Testament, almost any of them that talk about suffering, it's usually there's an undertone or an explicit tone that this is due to persecution. The main reason why the New Testament church was suffering was because of persecution. And this is something that we find difficult to relate to because that's not our situation quite so much. 
But I was reminded of this, as, as you may have been if you were there, a few weeks ago at the prayer meeting, Mike was leading us in praying for the persecuted church. And as we heard of these situations around the world, just unthinkable things that Christians are facing in different contexts and different countries around the world, it was such a privilege to be able to pray for them. And I found it just incredibly humbling. It reminded me that our circumstances are, are nothing compared to what these guys are going through for their faith, for bearing the name of Jesus. And for us, we can get a bit funny about this in our minds. It gets a bit of a quandary. We think, well, we know we shouldn't go looking for persecution, um, but also we might feel a bit weird and awkward about the fact that we're not experiencing any persecution. And something, is that, is that, is that, is that right or, or what's the situation there? Well, I, I haven't got time to go into all of the ins and outs of that. But I just want to encourage you to say that, yes, we might not be experiencing the kind of persecution that some Christians are, but it is there. And I, wanna, I almost want to say it's, it's increasingly there for us in our culture, in our society. I think over the last 20 years, I've seen it in my own life. The culture has been going away in many ways. And I think it's harder to be a Christian now culturally than it was 20 years ago. And our persecution might not look like it does in some parts of the world. But you see it in conversation with people. There's that moment where you talk about your faith. There's that moment where you profess to believe the Bible or whatever it is. And you just see the light go out behind their eyes. You just see that kind of, that something switches in them and, they, and, and that their judgment of you changes. And it's things like narrow-minded, unenlightened, dogmatic, maybe even bigoted. Those are the kind of things that we might experience in conversation with people. And if you go online and see what people are saying online in response to certain things that Christians have said, boy, you'll see it there in much stronger terms. And one of the, one of the things about British people, one of the things that we hate more than anything else is social awkwardness, isn't it? And that's, that's like the first hit, if you like, of persecution. That's the first time that we that we see it it's that social socially awkward moment when you profess to be a christian and you realize that the person does that thing where they kind of look at you in a slightly different way and you feel socially awkward and you don't know what to say they don't know what to say and it's a horrible mess of awkwardness and we feel terrible and the temptation can be that it's easy to subtly avoid it it's easy for us to subtly avoid it by not mentioning it at all by playing it down by not by carefully saying the things we know are socially acceptable about being a Christian and by avoiding the things that we know are not socially acceptable about being a Christian. Christian. And I just want to say on this point that I believe that we need to learn to choose boldness and we need to learn to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting even when it's hard and even when our, our alarms are going off. And, this isn't going to go down well. We need to learn to be obedient to the Holy Spirit because of the Great Commission. Because Jesus has sent us into all the world to make disciples of him, to tell people about him. And he is an offence to many people. So we need to learn to choose boldness and be willing to suffer for our Lord. And so, what's the point of all this? The point of all this is that we need to hear the encouragements here. That if we experience these persecutions, if you like, these, these resistances, these, these difficult responses as we talk about Jesus, then we have even greater reason to rejoice.
because he is with those who are persecuted. Remember what Jesus said at the end of the Beatitudes, blessed are you if people persecute you and say all kinds of terrible things against you because of my name. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that's what we can learn to do. 1 Peter 4, 13, the great apostle Peter, he says in his letter, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So guys, is it always possible to know joy? Yes, always, in every circumstance. And what's your joy in? Jesus! Let me do that again and you can shout with me. What's your joy in? Jesus! Amen.